This is Why Libertarian, the show dedicated to telling the stories of libertarians new and old, promoting libertarian values, and fighting against authoritarians, statists, feds, and anyone else who would like to steal your liberty and freedom. I am Matthew Strzok, and I would like to thank you for tuning in to this episode. Enjoy. Boom! It is Tuesday. I am Matt. This is Why Libertarian. It's decentralized everything night. Um, if you are unaware, if, if you are the first time first time watcher of this program, um, I am uh, basically on every single Monday uh, Monday through Friday, seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we talk about liberty. We talk about decentralization. We talk about freedom and all the good stuff that comes with all of those things. So uh, tonight is no different. Before I get rolling with our guest. Uh, as usual, like, comment, subscribe, share, hit the notification bell, really help us with that algorithm on YouTube, um, and, uh, retweet, get this out there. And really you're going to want to retweet this one tonight and you'll see why, but, um, this is one to definitely kind of put out there into the Twitter verse. Um, and you'll, you'll find out why in a second, um, before you do all of that, you can also go down to, I always get this wrong here. I'll wait for it to come by. You can go down to my Linktree address. Um, all of my social media feeds and everything that I put out content-wise, uh, you can get to through that link. And so it is literally everything. Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, uh, Anchor, the podcast that I put out. You can also get to it uh, on any of the podcast platforms that you listen to, as well as all of my blockchain-related uh, accounts and links. And I would uh, definitely implore you in the nature of uh, decentralization to set up some accounts on those on those sites uh, and on those blockchains, um, things like Odyssey and specifically on the Hive blockchain. Um, and you will see why it's going to be really important because tonight's guest is absolutely fantastic. Um, we are talking to, or I am talking to, uh, Nathan, who is, um, would you call yourself the, uh, what, developer over there at DBuzz, Nathan? I'm actually the co-founder and uh, lead investor and advisor, and okay. I uh, give technical advice, but I'm not the actual developer. Okay, awesome. So you you're not like actually sitting there putting the code in like it's the Matrix. That's good. no. I just I, I'm kind of a decision maker and and give advice and research new technology and kind of brief my team and keep up with what's going on. So and and I, like I said, I'm the co-founder as well. So. Awesome, 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 awesome. All right, so um, we're we're going to talk about DBuzz in a bit, um, which is basically the you know blockchain competitor to Twitter. Um, but before we get into that, I want to give everyone who doesn't know you uh, an idea of who you are. So just really quickly, you know, what's your background? Have you always been kind of like a techie kind of person, or you know, um, were you more on the finance side? And really, what kind what kind of brought you to the blockchain uh, ecosystem? Okay, so I would say I've always kind of been a techie. I got my first computer when I was three years old. Um, I'm 30 now, so I've been on computers my entire life. I started writing computer codes in my early teens. Um, got in. I was doing um, game development. You know, when I was a teenager. Uh, after uh, high school, I got into web de development mm -hmm. and working on website designs. And then um, I started researching about you know our financial system and how the dollar works and where money comes from 
And I started getting uh, information that was quite concerning to me mm -hmm. that we were using such a broken system. Yeah. And so that was always in my mind. Um, I discovered Bitcoin in about 2013. And it seemed like a really great technology. Um, it just was confusing and complicated to explain to people and Definitely. kind of clunky to run on your computer. Um, and because in the, the beginning you would go on Bitcoin um, website and try and download the whole node and it would just crash your computer. Um, and then I discovered, you know, light wallets to where you don't have to sync the whole blockchain and it started becoming easier to use. Um, yep. And I guess in 2014, 2015, I really become super interested in developing on blockchain technology and working on solutions. And um, yeah, so over the past five years, I've been very involved in um, blockchain development and I've worked on um, various projects. Um, some have to do with Monero, not directly coding on Monero, but forks of Monero and CryptoNote and, and developing code there. Yeah. Um, and then I got into um, looking at decentralized file storage. So with Filecoin, and I've participated in some of the different hackathons that they've done. And um, I guess about a year and a half ago, um, I, I had already been introduced to Steam. And so I, I was aware of Steam and had used it uh, and participated there, but very little. Um, and one of my friends approached me and, and really started um, trying to get me interested in Steam again and building on Steam. Yeah. And we wanted to build a decentralized social media that could compete with some of the other platforms that were, in my opinion, being problematic um, by suppressing information and uh, basically... Um, in my in our opinion it felt like they were social engineering um our society in a certain direction and that was very troubling so we began working on a system on steam um, that was a, a decentralized social media and then the fork happened and we were just kind of left in limbo for a little while about what to do but it all really worked out great um as we came up with dbuzz and started developing on it, you know, using the previous code base that we had already had. Um, so let our, me ask you really quickly. So in terms of like when the when the fork happened, um, did you kind of have a similar experience to a lot of the other folks um, in that that ended up making that transition to Hive? Was it one of those things where um, you felt like it was just kind of steam moved in a in a direction that did not fit kind of the decentralized culture that you were really looking for? Yes. Um, and when it, when, whenever the, I guess I didn't have all the information or I wasn't as aware of, as a lot of the um, big people, let's say on, on Steamware of mm -hmm. what was really going on, but I was kind of looking at it from both directions. And I felt like it was a really good opportunity if, you know, everybody could work together, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And Justin Sun really kind of, in my opinion, did some really shady things with, with, you know, getting the exchanges to vote him in all the witnesses and forking out people's stake. That was, you know, really went against what I believe in. So yep. we decided that, you know, Hive is the way to go.
Awesome. So um, I, I love that backstory. I've said this a million times. I, I love that backstory because, um, you know, just having interacted on the, the Hive blockchain, it definitely feels like there is a sense of like community um, and a sense of, you know, purpose and philosophy that really kind of uh, enjoins a lot of the people on there, specifically a lot of the folks like yourselves, like yourself, that went from, you know, uh, Steam to Hive during that fork. Um, so uh, why, why a Twitter alternative? Was was this something, were you really active on Twitter before this and that's what you really kind of like wanted to, uh, you know, compete against or what kind of pushed you in that direction? Um, well, I'm not super active on social media, um, but I do use social media to get information and it felt like the information I was getting was being filtered and fed to me through mm -hmm. a straw, you know, and I didn't didn't really like that. I wanted to have like an unfiltered view of what is really going on in the world and not be have, you know, the overlords being like, oh, Nathan's not smart enough to see this. So he might have a bad idea if he sees this, you know, <laughs> let me make up my mind for myself. I don't need you guys deciding what is true or not true for me. I, I'm smart enough. I'm intelligent enough. I know probably a lot more than a lot of these guys that are, you know, pulling the, the pushing the buttons behind the screen. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I'm smart enough to make up my own decision. And, and it just kind of, you know, irritated a lot of us that the information that we were getting fed um, seemed to be being social engineered in a certain direction. Mm -hmm. um, so that was our really... Our, our driving force um, to to create this. Yeah, I, it's it's. Um, I, I can say that there is a very. Um, how should I put it? There's almost kind of like a deprogramming that you have to do when you get onto um, the various apps that are built off of the Hive blockchain. Because to your point, you know, when I get onto Twitter or something like that, they have gone through a ridiculous amount of basically psychological testing and things like that on the back end to to uh, prime that algorithm to show me the things that are going to keep me involved for the longest amount of time right to drive clicks to drive interaction and things like that and so when you get onto the hive blockchain it's not like that it's not really kind of like you get to filter it right so like when you're and um i'm going to pull up dbuzz right now just so everyone kind of like gets a sense of what it looks like um, but the beauty is that, and I'm, I'm sorry if I'm stealing your thunder here, but um, the beauty is that you get to choose how to filter it, right? So like when I'm presented with something, like I can go through what's trending and the latest and stuff like that. But if I go straight home, right? Like what's gonna be fed to me is mostly the people that I'm directly following first and foremost, right? And then other than that, there is not going to be like this super curated, um, almost like cocaine type uh, consistency to the feed that's going to be in front of me. There's going to be a certain level of, you know, stuff that is brought to the forefront that is going to be, you know, it's going to seem strange to a lot of people. And, and I completely appreciate that where, you know, when something shows up in front of me, it's not necessarily something where I'm, um, you know, I never would have found it is what I'm saying. Like, it's one of those things where it's it's beautiful because you have this discovery that happens where all of a sudden, you know, this post shows up and you're like, wow, I never would have known um, that that even existed or that person was posting about these things. So I love that aspect to it. 
Um, what are what are some of the the kind of like widgets or or kind of like you know hacks that you include it included into Dbuzz? I mean, like, was there a specific set like tool set that you wanted to include in Dbuzz when you were developing it? Okay, so um, one of the one of the features that we're working on and that's in development is the um, follow and um, mute list. Mm -hmm. So basically anybody can create mute list and mute list can basically be joined together. So you could create a mute list of people that you don't want to see any of their posts. Yeah. And then anybody can opt in to your mute list and then it puts everybody that you put on your mute list on their mute list too. And they won't see those people. That way the community can kind of self-censor itself. And then also, if you want to follow a certain set of people, then anybody can follow your follow list and then they'll see all the content from the people that you see. And then they can join their list with other people's list and create their own list. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the, the features we want to have. Instead of having a centralized sensor, we have the community sensor itself, but ultimately the end user is the one that decides, you know, how they want the content to be censored or or what content they want to see or you know what type of content they want to see um and, and this and so dbuzz still um dbuzz is essentially um still kind of adhering to the standard um uh you know hive witness system right like there's no kind of like short circuit where now all of a sudden dbuzz is specifically paring down things it sounds like you really want to empower the user to be able to really kind of like hone their feed for themselves, right? Right. I don't want to have any involvement in, in censoring content. That really needs to be up to the community. Now, there are things that are illegal that people would could post on the site that we would have to take down legally, and we would do that. Um, but for the vast majority of the content, we want the users to decide for themselves if they want to see this or they don't want to see it. And we, we don't want to have any control or, you know, influence over that. It's really up to the users themselves um, what kind of content they want to see. Yeah. And so, um, and so that list building exercise, I mean, someone could probably someone's already on there where like, you know, if any, you know, bots so happen to exist on Dbuzz or anywhere else on the blockchain, um, you could essentially build a list of those, you know, I'll use air quotes, bot accounts, right? Um, right. And so if you didn't want to have your feed flooded with that stuff, you would just take that person's list and essentially add it to your mute list, right? That's correct. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. I love that. Um, uh, and, and here's the other thing I think a lot of people don't, uh, it's not that they don't get it conceptually. I think they just don't know what it looks like in practice. Like, you are ultimately responsible for how this kind of like works out, right? So for for a lot of people are used to the decisions being made for themselves. Um, this is kind of a very empowering idea. And a lot of people would kind of be scared of it, right? Like if they were presented with this and it was like, look, you have to go out and actually curate your own stuff here and make sure that, you know, if something shows up, you actually have to tell the algorithm that you don't like it as opposed to the algorithm, like, you know, reading how long your eyes sat on the post, right? Right. 
So I think that that goes back to how we're trying to set up the list is actually to suggest list to new users. So you will want to follow the the mute bot list or the mute formers account where you have forming what we call forming accounts that just post play plagiarism or just copy and paste, you know, over and over. We'll suggest that you follow these lists. It's up to you whether or not you follow them. And then we can uh, we're working on actually having a page that kind of has a uh, curated list of different lists that you can follow or you can add to your mute list. So you can go through different categories. I want to see content that's related to this. And then those lists have already been curated by other people. But it's really on you to select those lists and kind of, um, you know, I, I've joined some websites before um, and it asks you what 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 are you interested in? Um, so kind of a process like this, you select what you're interested, you select what you don't want to see, and then you use the platform. And as you go, you can, you know, change that. But it's all it's transparent. So there's not me sitting in the background or someone sitting in the background, shadow banning users or, or making people not show up. It's really all on on the end user. And we're just trying to make it to where it's very easy for that user to be able to interact and, and and figure out you know kind of how the platform works and what kind of list they want to be on or don't want to be on yeah yeah that's that's um I, I i think that's going to be unique to a lot of people so there's there is kind of like this reorientation that has to happen where you know they're used to the algorithm doing that work for them and this is now going to be something that they have to take like a vested, you know, not just an interest in, but an active, you know, participation in if they want to really kind of refine, you know, what they're seeing and, and basically what they're having presented to them um, on the Divas um, uh, architecture. So, uh, all right. So in, in that sense, so... Dbuzz, like, so the algorithm is basically different or, or, or there isn't really an algorithm. It's more of kind of like a, you know, choose your own adventure in terms of how you're filtering this information. Are there any other ways that it also differs from, say, a traditional, you know, Web 2.0 social media feed? Okay, so um, there's three different features on uh, Dbuzz. If you look, you have home, you have trending, and then you have latest. So the home feed would be everyone that you're following. And so if you follow an actual person on Hive, anything that they post will show up there on your home feed. And then trending is going to be a list of people's content that has lots of comments or like lots of likes. And that's kind of done um, on the back end um, of the Hive system. It, it calculates, you know, what's trending and what's not trending. Mm -hmm. And we actually are just using, you know, that default algorithm to determine what is trending and what's not trending. Okay. And then we have latest and that's um, basically um, in order, in chronological order as posts or posts, they show up there and you'll see everybody um, except people who are on your mute list. So even people that you're not following will show up in, in the latest so you can kind of find new content um, there and also in trending. Um, you would find new content really on home is going to be the only place that you only see the people that you follow mm -hmm. um in the other two spots you're going to see um all the users on the platform except people that you've added to your mute list yeah 
No, that's awesome. I, I, I love the fact, and I would imagine with the list building tool, there's also going to be some, you know, ability there also to, uh, you know, I, at, at least explore, you know, in a more kind of like curated way, which is going to be fantastic because then you can pare it down by, you know, um, whatever, the, the, the theme of whoever is building the list, right? So, you know, accounts that talk about XYZ topic or accounts from a certain area or things like that, you know, travel blogs and stuff like that. Um, I, I, think that's, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, how, how has it been? So how long has Dbuzz been um, out there? Um, and then uh, in terms of kind of like the, the population, the user population growth, how has that been as of recent? Okay, so um, we started working on this um, very end of 2019 with just a single developer. Mm -hmm. um, just as a, an idea, we weren't really ready to go like jump both feet in. You know, we just kind of wanted to play around and see, you know, um, and that was when it was still Steam. I guess after the Hive fork, we added um, some new developers and we released our version one. Um, and that was really a big learning experience trying to develop on decentralized technology, but also have a, um, website that's connected to the blockchain. Um, so we learned a lot about it. Um, and then after we released version one, we hired new developers that had a lot of experience and we actually, um, built what we are currently running, um, which is version three. Um, we went through, you know, we never released version two. We just went straight to version three and, um, we just keep kind of letting version three evolve, um, into what it is right now. And it's still, still evolving, you know, we're still getting feedback and coming up with new ideas and, um, yeah. So, so yeah, that's what, what were some of the biggest hurdles that you ran into? Was it just a matter of, um, what, you know, kind of the, the, the uh, uh, software, the programming language that was being used, or was it something other than that? Um, actually, it was um, had a lot to do with the programming language. We ultimately ended up building in React JS. Mm -hmm. um, originally, the websites that I've developed in the past and, and some of the developers that were working were back end websites. So everything happened on the back end of a server and then was kind of served to your your browser. Um, and after doing a lot of research on this and, and kind of seeing what was available, we decided that we didn't want to have a backend server. We wanted the entire code to run directly in the browser and be able to communicate directly with blockchain, the, the hive witnesses or a hive hive witness and, um, not have the backend. So that was a very, uh, there was a lot of, uh, research and just testing that went into getting that to work that way and doing a completely away with having a backend server. So when you used Dbuzz, the, the, all of the code is actually loaded into your browser and it's actually a complete front end application. Now there are some features like the search feature, um, that we have a, a backend API. So if you want to search something, it's going to, you know, send it to the, the search server and then return your search results. But, um, as far as your posting and, and all the content that's coming, that's all done front end and, and being, um, communicated directly with the hive witness servers. Hmm. 
And and what does that do to um, say the the speed or the user experience? Like, is it noticeable, you know, one way or the other in terms of that choice between the back end versus everything running in the browser? Um, actually, it is um, because now the back end there's we we kind of removed the bottleneck of having the back end server that has to do everything. Mm. Now your browser is really the only bottleneck, and as long as your your computers you know, decently um, fast it, and with an internet, good internet connection, it's just going to communicate directly with the, the hive witnesses and load everything in. And it, it really um, helped us solve a, a big scaling issue mm -hmm. um, because all, all really our server is doing is giving you the code to run and then you run it on your computer and then our server doesn't have to do anything else. Yeah. And it also allows for us to do things like um, use ENS, which is um, Ethereum name servers. So we can have decentralized domains that don't actually use DNS. So when you type in the dbus.eth, it will actually go and look on the Ethereum blockchain and pull up an IPFS hash and then download the code that runs dbus into your browser. And anybody can pin that code um, on IPFS. So it, even if our main server went down, you could still access it through ENS and our server wouldn't even be running. Awesome. I, so uh, first, a uh, huge shout out to Chris Rice because Chris um, put out a buzz out on uh, DBuzz uh, notifying folks of us being live. And Chris has a comment here that says, in terms of speed, we are slowed down a bit since a bit since Hive wasn't designed for Hive communities, but our lead dev will make a change to Hive Mind to fix this. So, um, is this just something where now? First of all, uh, is is Chris involved in the actual dev process? Is that who Chris is? Um, Chris is a project manager and works in our HR department, and he's also a co-founder. And um, he he communicates directly with our developers as well. And so, yes, he is. Awesome, awesome. So he's basically saying that um, since, so uh, he's saying that since Hive wasn't designed for Hive communities, what does that specifically mean to say like the layman here? Okay, so um, there was, when, when Steam originally came out, you just had, you know, the main feed. Everybody, when you made a post, it just went into, you know, the main Steam feed. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had communities that were released and um, basically the idea of communities, at least the way it was explained to us, would be kind of like a, a separate community of, away from the main feed. Mm -hmm. um, but it didn't end up really working like that. All the communities still show up in the main feed. Um, so there's some- Basically just a It's just a tag, right? That gets assigned to someone who says that I'm posting to XYZ community. Is that the way it works? Right. So I think what he's referring to there are they they're programming some various filters into um, hive minds, which is basically the API that pulls information off the hive blockchain and then serves it to front ends yeah. Um, yeah. to where they can actually filter um, different communities. And hive wasn't really the, the current API wasn't really designed to do that. Um, so that's actually something that they're working on right now um, to kind of help um with curating content or, or being able to give people more choice over the content that they want to see on whatever front end they're using that's interesting yeah and i think uh
Chris clarified and said Dbuzz has to filter out all the other communities on Hive so that only Dbuzz community shows up. So that's that's interesting. So um, in in essence, so uh, that basically means that like say I go on you know Peak D or something like that, right? Right. Peak D will pull pretty much all of the communities um, that you either have you know followed or even you know if it shows up in trending or something like that. But so essentially, what you're saying is Dbuzz will only pull up things that are essentially uh, you know, relegated to the Dbuzz community. Is that right? That's correct. Because our um, our app is a short form, mm-hmm. so we only um, we only right now uh, support short form content, yep. like a social media, like basic social media. So long form content, um, blog posts, and stuff like that wouldn't actually show up in the main Dbuzz feed. We're actually working on having a long form version of Dbus that would have long form content, but we're trying to kind of um, figure out way to give people, some people are interested in blogs and some people are interested in memes, you know? Yeah. And we're just trying to separate those two apart so people can have the, the experience that they want to have on the platform. Yeah, I would definitely say that that's going to broaden the appeal of um, the 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 offerings that are out there on the Hive blockchain because I, I completely with agree with you. Like, I mean, Hive in its essence right now, uh, a lot of the social media aspect of it is very much blog driven. So if you're a blog person and you like writing long form and reading long form and things like that, um, you know, outside of something like a three speak or something, you're really just getting written content with images embedded. Um, and so... Yeah, anything that you can do to increase the speed at which you can then, you know, uh, basically call up and and present, you know, these short form, um, you know, posts or, or, you know, kind of like data sets that are on the, you know, on the blockchain. I think that's going to be fantastic for the user and you're, you're going to be able to attract more of these people who... Uh, you know, look. Quite frankly, I'm 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 one of those people sometimes where I have the attention span of a goldfish. So <laughs> that's exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for short and sweet, get to the point. Like you know, a uh, hundred and uh, what's your character limitation? Is it is it similar to, to Twitter or is it something different? Um, I I don't have the exact number right now. I think it's a little bit longer than Twitter. Okay. Um, but I don't have that that exact number right now. Um, is there any opportunity sure in the future to say, like, take a a long form, uh, you know, like Hive dot blog post and truncate it, but push it to Dbuzz? Um, yes, there is. And one of the features that we have is actual buzz button. And anybody can embed the buzz button on their website. And then basically it does exactly that. And then it shares it to the Dbuzz feed. And then if people will go down and click on it. Then we'll actually pull up the actual blog post. Awesome. Awesome. And Chris is saying 280 characters. So, yeah. um, yeah, you, you could say a lot in 280 characters, I think, yeah. but, uh, it, it's, it's, I've seen some of the blogs that are out there and, and what's interesting is, um, uh, I don't know if you, you've ever been kind of like a blogger yourself, Nathan, but, uh, you know, occasionally I'll write a blog, but I would say it's not something where I'm like, I'm more of like a video recording kind of person. Uh, and so 
a lot of times like if i put something out on the blockchain it's it's like a, a one paragraph summary and then here's the link to my video you know <laughs> like one of those things um but uh yeah you could say a lot in 280 characters so i i think that's fantastic and i think um, a lot a lot of people um have 280 characters in them when they don't have a whole entire blog post you know yeah. it, a lot of people just don't have writing an entire blog post just in it's not written in their dna you know yeah. so I'm, and I'm kind of one of those people. I, I've written blog posts before, but for the most part, 280 characters is basically going to su summarize what I have to say in a, a social media post that I'm going to put up. Awesome. Yeah. I, and so um, my brother is watching from, from Georgia, uh, and he's asking, in that case, will DBuzz offer a community tab for discovering other community forums or content? So right now is is pretty much the only filter on dbuzz essentially uh you know hashtags or is there any other kind of you know uh you know community collect collections that you're looking i would assume lists would probably be something similar to that right but is there anything other than that that is you know uh down the road well we're currently developing blog.dbuzz um and that's going to be more along the lines of hive.blog or peakd um, that will be separate from the actual d.buzz website. And we'll have, you know, um, all of the content that hive.blog or, you know, any of the other front ends have on the blog.dbuzz. Um, but dbuzz will just be just for the short form content inside the dbuzz community. That's interesting. So is that going to be essentially... Um... You know, like if, if you prefer to kind of live in that 280 character world, but, you know, every so often you, you, you know, want to read a full form blog post or something like that. Is that what you're building it for that type of user or is there, um, you know, the thought? Yes. The thought and we wanted to give, you know, users more control over the communities that they want to see and they don't want to see. Mm -hmm. um, some of the things that some of the feedback that I've been given um, is that people were complaining on hive.blog or um, peak D about not being able to uh, filter out different communities. Like they're getting posts from other communities that are sh constantly showing up in their feed and they would rather not. So um, kind of one of the things that we're working on with the blog.dbuzz is to actually give um, more controls over the content that you want to see or you don't want to see. I love I love that. And this is like this is another aspect of the blockchain that doesn't really exist in web 2.0 or at least not in the same way because you're all calling from the same blockchain. The, there's more of an opportunity for different developers out there to kind of you know, go in different directions and really kind of play and explore and solve different problems that might exist or or that they think exist on the blockchain as far as the, you know, either the functionality or the user experience specifically. And I appreciate that because, you know, if you're in Web 2.0 land and if you would like to see something on Twitter, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why Twitter is going to do it unless there is like a ton of uh, interest in it, or if their centralized, you know, development department decides that that becomes a priority. Um, here, you could have, you know, literally, uh, you know, multiple 
uh, blog-based front ends that exist that are pulling from the Hive blockchain. And y'all can, you know, differentiate yourselves in different ways in terms of how you, whether it's filter or the user experience or something like that, which is absolutely fantastic. So I, I appreciate that. Um, what else? What, what have I missed on Dbuzz? Is there anything else that's kind of uh, uh, either not necessarily apparent to me or something else that I glossed over? Um, so one of the things that I, I they're they're saying that okay for the the update that they're doing to the um, the uh, I just lost my um, for the the Hive API. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, like I was saying earlier, our site runs completely front end. And one of the issues that we have with the scalability issue is that it pulls in a lot of content um, and there's not a lot of, uh, I guess, filters per se um, on the actual um, HiveMinds software. So the HiveMinds actually communicates with um, the actual blockchain and then filters the information. You can kind of select different data sets that you want from that. And then the front end processes that data. So one of the things that they're really working on right now is improving that to where the front end has less work to do, right? It, it's already selecting like set data points that it can pull and it doesn't have to process as much data and it makes the front end run much faster. Mm -hmm. um, I guess really, um, I think that that basically sums up, you know, kind of, how it all works. Um, some people were wondering, you know, okay, how is it, it, how does it actually work? Yeah. Um, when you make a post on hive, it actually is recorded on the blockchain and it's done very similar to how you send a transaction with Bitcoin mm -hmm. and you could build basically the same thing on Bitcoin or Ethereum. But one of the biggest issues that you have building on other blockchains, this type of technology is to create a transaction on Bitcoin, maybe it will cost you 50 or $60. So every time you want to make an actual post, it would cost you a large amount of, you know, Bitcoin just to mm -hmm. post that to the Bitcoin blockchain. It better be damn important. It better be <laughs> important to spend that kind of money. And Ethereum's the same way. Um, so the way that Hive solves that is through the use of resource credits. And so when you create an account, it comes with an amount of resource credits. And those resource credits, um, whenever you make a post, it uses a percentage of those resource credits. So the more posts that you make in a day, the lower your resource credits go. Um, and then after so many hours, your resource credits start to regenerate and over the course of a few days if you don't make any posts then you'll have 100 percent resource credits again and you can yes. you know make more and more posts and if you say you want to make a lot of posts or you want to make a lot of interactions on the hive blockchain then you could you know buy more hive and then stake it and then you'll get a lot more resource credits sure. but for the most part when people create account it comes with more than a sufficient amount of resource credits to use it in a normal you know everyday um way without having any issues yeah yeah no that i i appreciate that too because that's also uh, a function that discourages you know spam posting and things like that right because you can't just start up an account with um you know basically no 
equity, so to speak, in terms of the amount of Hive or crypto that you have in the account, and then just you know post endlessly, right? Um, there is a limitation to it. So um, I, I totally appreciate that as well. So I all right. So I I I think most people get an idea of of Dbuzz and and kind of the the tech and things like that. Um, and and for anyone for everyone's reference. If you want to go check it out, you go to d.buzz, B-U-Z-Z, d.buzz is dbuzz. Um, let me ask you, let's kind of like take a step back and kind of like talk about philosophically, um, you had mentioned things like, you know, seeing where things came from, the, the currency aspect of things and, and um, just talking about decentralization in terms of, you know, the, the hard fork and whatnot. Um, where do you see things going in, in the world. I mean, it definitely seems like it's getting way more authoritarian than it is, you know, erring on the side of, say, like, you know, free speech. Um, no, totally. And that is extremely troubling just to see kind of um, over the past, really, I mean, it's been going on. For, I mean, it's been building up to this for a long time. But really, the last year and a half, uh, the world has changed a lot. Like, it's not we don't live in the same world anymore and just to see the amount of control that the government thinks that they're supposed to have over our lives um it is very concerning and you know i don't know what the future will be um all we can do is try and stand up and push things in the right direction and at least you know we we're standing on the right side of history we're, we're doing what's right you know by trying to give people freedom back over their lives. And, you know, people ask me about what my political stance is. And I really have no political stance other than I think there needs to be less government. So if, you know, you're about like shutting down parts of the government, I'm all about that. Let's <laughs> let's figure out how to get less of this. And that's what I'm more about, you know, as far as government. Um, people ask me also, you know, what's my agenda with DBuzz? Um, and really, I have no political or social agenda other than preserving free speech. Um, that's really, you know, it. I, I don't really take a very strong political or social standpoint on any issues. Um, I think that discussion, um, let's let's have a conversation around it. Let's mm -hmm. hear everybody's ideas and may the best argument win, you know, that's, that's kind of my standpoint on it. Yeah. I, what, what is the, so I, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with like, you know, the, the 50.1% hypothesis or whatever, in terms of people talking about whether or not, you know, say like the United States government or, or China could effectively, you know, stage a hostile takeover of you know a blockchain especially if it's attached to you know i would love to i would love to see them do that on on hive because it would make us filthy rich and then we would just yeah. fork off <laughs> you just fork off and go do something else yeah. um i i so what walk us through that like some people so might basically that if they, they wanted would... to come in they would have to buy up over 51 percent of the um total hive to gain control which would make us filthy rich and then we would just fork it and then create a new coin and fork their 51 percent out and be like oh yo we have a new blockchain with all of our content we're all you know like screw you guys like yeah you know. <laughs> i 
I Basically, the Justin Sun um, Sega proved that we can do that and it works. And we all doubled our money. I mean, at least I did, you know, with the whole Steam port. So it was so great. That, that is an interesting dynamic. So you guys forked away from, see, like, this is also something people won't necessarily understand. So you, you Hive forks away from Steam. And so you have a choice, right? I'm going to stay on Steam or I'm going to move to Hive, right? And when the fork happens, if your choice is to move to Hive, you then get, what, airdropped Hive as opposed right. to holding on to Steam on the existing network, right? Right. Um, Which so, we got to keep our Steam, too, and we all got to power down and sell it at the same price that are higher than what I paid for it. So it was great. And then I had Hive, and it was worth more than what I paid for it, too. So I was, you know, thrilled. <laughs> so this is something that I, I think I the 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 folks out there there's tons of people that are trying to I mean, if the government want to come in and do that i mean i'm all for it like go for it like please do it because and, we would just work all of our accounts would still be the same we might call it something else or we might just call it you know hive anti-government or something you know like whatever <laughs> i don't know it doesn't really matter but all of our content all of our accounts would be there you know and basically the community would kind of get to decide you know uh yeah here's here's the government accounts and all theirs so we just take them off of this fork and then we're all going to go this direction so yeah so. well so um I, I mean jack dorsey is already on the record saying that oh yeah sure we're we're working toward a and he used the word i believe decentralized or, or blockchain you know uh type twitter um what what, what are your thoughts on that uh yeah right yeah. <laughs> um, from the sense that you think he won't do it at all, or from the sense that if they no, do, I think do he'll it, do it. I just don't think like that I think it's going to be like okay. There's two different types of blockchains. You have a decentralized blockchain, which means that there's a lot of different people involved, mm -hmm. um, and then you have a centralized blockchain, which is oh, we have a blockchain, but we control everything that's on it. So yeah, yeah. I think that's the difference. Yeah. I, in in which case it's 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 literally it's still the same the thing same exact thing it's, it's just the exact same thing it just works with a little bit different technology or different code but it's basically yeah. still you know i don't think he's gonna I, i'm i really don't believe that he's he's gonna allow people to say whatever they want on his platform i just don't see that ever happening no i i especially because whatever tech development he ends up doing um, I, I doubt will not have, I, I doubt it will be free and I mean, prove me wrong. some I, kind I'm of centralized it. government. If he, if he does it and it, he gives free speech. Well, great. Perfect. That's what we've been waiting for. You know, do it. Yeah. Do it please. Yeah. But I just don't believe it. Yeah. I, so, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's a, a, a absolutely ridiculous statement or, or if people are believing, you know, that statement, I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, I think it's just so, trendy, and he likes to say trendy things, so sounds sounds good. But he, whether he or definitely not he likes to control it, the yeah. news cycle. No. <laughs> uh, are Are you interested in other areas of development? I understand that you're kind of like focused on on Dbuzz and then um, you know blog.dbuzz. Is there some area where you would also like to look at? Not not necessarily that you have something in the mix, but um, you know I've I've talked to a bunch of people about NFTs. I've talked to a bunch of people about. Uh, you know, just kind of like publishing and what that looks like on the blockchain. Um, is, is this I kind of thing? should be careful with the NFTs. I think that's like, um, anyway, I don't want to really get on to NFTs, but um, yeah, I'm working on some other different, I'm always interested in developing new technology. It's kind of like my addiction, you know, like, <laughs> oh, let's go 
splurge and develop some stuff and see if we can make something you know that's like what i'm i'm always doing freelance work to to earn money and then it's like okay now we're gonna go like gamble this money away on building some something you know so uh one of the things that i'm really interested in is working on trying to scale up blockchain Mm -hmm. um and keep it decentralized because it's one of the biggest issues that um blockchain has right now and while we see like these outrageous fees on Bitcoin and Ethereum, um, it's because decentralization is difficult. Um, and it it's very new um, technology. I mean, it's been around for, you know, a little over 10 years now. So um, really figuring out ways to scale blockchain. And, and I have, you know, some some different stuff. I don't really want to go into it too deep. Um, but yeah, I'm working on some different things to try and figure out ways to scale up blockchain and make it faster to where we can have way more transactions um, and without, you know, having to run these massive nodes that store everything, how, how we can break this down um, and, and keep it distributed. Because you have things like uh, Ripple, which is super fast and scales, but it's centralized, right? right. Um, it's not is not um is not decentralized so the idea what are, you, what are your thoughts on something like um lightning or ethereum 2.0 do you think those are gonna you know essentially be a big step forward i think um i think that ethereum 2.0 i'm very excited for i think they're going in a good direction i think that it still needs to evolve more we'll see i haven't there's only so many hours in a day for me to be able to research technology and see what everybody's doing so I don't have like all of the fine details on Ethereum 2.0, but I'm very excited to see. Um, Lightning kind of worries me um, because there's, I I don't completely um, ha- completely understand Lightning, but mm-hmm. I've had people explain things to me that seem problematic with it. So I'm not sure that that's really going to be a viable option. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. It definitely seems like anything that's like Bitcoin related seems like it's going to be, um, it's definitely more suited to big bulk transactions, right? Like not microtransactions. Um, And so you you had mentioned, you like money creation earlier on in the episode and, 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 so my one thought, and, and I might be completely off on this, but my one thought is that Bitcoin has the potential to kind of be like back when a lot of countries were on the gold standard, to kind of be like, you know, when the Federal Reserve actually had, well, I mean, they still do, but when, when they essentially, you know. Yeah, they should give uh, it back to us too. Well, <laughs> but, but, I mean, so, really, if they, if they want to talk about reparations, how about they give us our gold back? I mean, yes. they took it from our, our ancestors um yeah. that's our goal like give it back to us like right yeah. now uh, well and and that's an interesting thought because i mean it's not like they're necessarily using it to stake anything or, or no, it's, it's ours they, they decided that you know they took it from us um yeah. and they said that we could get it back and then they said that you know oh now the dollars aren't well hey we want our gold back you know yeah. like yeah. i want my granddad's gold back no i i completely and I, um So in that vein, I think that Bitcoin sounds more like the that kind of like, you know, um, 
anchor uh, value token or crypto that, you know, gets passed around in bulk, right? Like, so whatever transaction engines end up being the fastest, you know, they do kind of like those large scale transfers in the back end. Um, whereas, you know, kind of some of the newer crypto, um, especially some of them or the tokens that derive their value or kind of like stake their value from Bitcoin would be more those kind of like micro transa transactions. I don't know, is, is that like, is that too far-fetched in terms of, or or do you think that Bitcoin eventually one day, like not tomorrow, but do you think that Bitcoin goes the way of the dodo one day and, and something else en ends up unseating it? I see that very unlikely um, because it's kind of already become like the de facto digital gold. And you have corporations like uh, Tesla and Elon Musk buying up, you know, billions of dollars worth of Bitcoin he has uh, a you know vested interest in keeping the price of Bitcoin kind of staked, you know right. at least where he bought it or close to that, right? Yeah. And he has the amount of money. And when you have more and more corporations that all kind of agree, I mean, money is what we all agree on. So if right. everybody agrees on Bitcoin is the de facto digital gold, then it's going to be the de facto digital gold, you know, mm -hmm. um, because that's what everybody agreed on. Um, as far as like a actual payment method for um, just buying stuff, the average Joe, you know, Bitcoin's not really um, right now. It's just not you know feasible to use it that way. Um, maybe Lightning can provide that. You know, um, I haven't really seen it get to the point where it is. Um, I haven't really used Lightning a lot, so I can't really you know speak on that too in depth. Um, my favorite crypto right now, um, uh, it's Monero. So no, not financial advice, but I, I like Monero a lot. Yeah. And, that's kind and, of my favorite. And, and why is that your favorite? Um, because it provides, you know, a layer of security, um, or not a layer of security, but a layer of privacy, um, that a lot of the other cryptos don't, mm -hmm. um, for me, it's like digital cash. No one knows how much cash I have in my pocket right now. Um, but if you know what my Bitcoin address is, you know how much Bitcoin I have in my Bitcoin wallet. But if you know what my Monero wallet is, you don't know how much Monero I have in my Monero wallet. And that's why I really like it a lot. Yeah. So I explain that to me. I don't I, I have not looked into Monero that much. Is there a second level of security? So like just knowing the wallet address isn't enough. You now have a second level of security that's built into it. So basically the way that Monero works is um, if I send you Monero, you can't prove that I sent it to you, but I can prove that I sent it to you, but you can't prove that I sent it to you. You don't know where it came from. Um, and no one can see um, where I'm sending transactions to or where I'm receiving transactions from. Mm -hmm. um, it's all encrypted through the use of what they call ring signatures, which I'm not gonna explain right now. Um, <laughs> But it works and it, you know, basically um, protects your privacy from everybody in the world being able to know how much money you're receiving from who, whom you're receiving it and to whom you're sending it. And that to me is a must for any type of digital cash. I just don't think that everybody in the world wants everyone knowing, you know, their financial standing and it yeah. being a public record for any country, any government, any 
anybody, any criminal, anybody to know, you know, what you're doing. And it's very easy to link Bitcoin to identities and basically data mine a lot of information on people um, based on their Bitcoin history and their Bitcoin transactions. And to me, Monero is the leading option right now for, you know, protecting our privacy and um, giving us a digital form of cash. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're, it's gonna... they're always developing. You know, that's one thing I really, really like about Monero is they're constantly rolling out, you know, new updates and the development is moving. And Bitcoin development really is kind of stalled. It's mm-hmm. just not moving. It's just kind of stuck and yeah. can't reach consensus. But Monero is, you know, Every six months, it seems like they're rolling out, you know, if not sooner, you know, they're rolling out new updates and, mm-hmm. and that's what I really love about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, um, that is interesting because I think a lot of people assumed that Bitcoin was going to be that thing that allowed them to essentially transact anonymously. And if it was at one time, it's not anymore. So much so that um, there was actually a number of guys up in, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of this, like up in New Hampshire that end up getting nicked because I think they combined the Bitcoin with um, essentially like a, uh, uh, I, I think they ran like a Bitcoin ATM business, right? Um, and so there was a certain level of untraceableness that went with, you know, doing crypto through their various ATMs that they were um, putting out there. And obviously, uh, centralized governments, um, specifically the United States government, is not a fan of not being able to trace um, currency and and where it goes uh, because they like to get their their pound of flesh. What about their cash? I mean, how do they trace that? (laughs) I mean, cash seems like the most untraceable form of currency there is so i mean that isn't that their own money i I mean isn't there they want to talk about crypto is used for criminal activity wait a second i thought us dollars was used for criminal activity i mean that's that's what i thought you know i i a lot of it at the federal government level yeah (laughs) Um. the federal government the the shadow government and the banks are the biggest you know using it for criminal activity and i mean that's not a secret i mean it's on the record you know banks are the only entities that can money launder and not go to jail for it no one goes to jail but if i money launder i'm going to federal prison you know if i if i get caught money laundering i'm going to federal prison but a bank they just oh yeah we made you know 15 billion dollars money laundering let's just pay you know 200 million dollars and we'll just keep doing it that was uh, who was it? HSBC who got nicked for that one? I think it was HSBC. Oh, well, a lot um, of banks. I think J.P. Morgan, and I, I don't want to go on the record saying, but I think there's. Been, I think anybody can do a, a couple of Google searches and come up with a list. Yeah, yeah. No, it, that that's also um, you know like we don't have to get too deep into politics, but um, that that is also kind of like symbolic of the world that we live in. If if like there is not an equal penalty of law, right? And so the equal, like you are more an equal when you go onto the blockchain than you are anywhere else if you're dealing with some kind of centralized authority because, you know, just that very example of, you know, a gigantic for-profit entity that can essentially, you know, 
take part in criminal behavior and not just like you know minor criminal behavior but really really freaking awful criminal behavior which probably finances you know uh drug cartels at violent you know murder uh human trafficking name, name it right uh and they essentially can just get off by paying a certain amount of fiat in a fine whereas you're right you and i like we would never be seen again like we we would we would essentially be black bagged or put into a dark hole somewhere to rot for the rest of our lives um that kind of dynamic i think is also what screams for the need for things like decentralized you know whether it be blockchain or some other technology that comes along in the future that allows for you know a certain level of one anonymity if you want it and two uh you know a certain level of equality or at least equality in terms of opportunity versus you know your station in life or your lot in life being cast based off of you know where you were born or who you were born to and how much money you have in the bank um <laughs> chris rice i chris I, I will not put this individual's name up on the actual broadcast but yes he didn't kill himself um <laughs> has, has anyone seen his his girlfriend slash wife or whatever she was um but yeah, no, I'm I'm right on board with you with that one. I, I think that is completely uh, the 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 scariest thing is that it's completely transparent and still nothing happens, right? Like it, it is boldly done in public view and it's common knowledge and nothing happens about it. You know, it's it's just kind of like you know the price of doing business nowadays. Um, but you know, I that's and, just one of those things. I mean, our entire and it's. To me, it seems like the entire political system has become, you know, a pay to play system that, you know, benefits a select few. And it's not really the interest, you know, of the many It's the interest of the few and their donors, you know, and that's yeah. that's our political, you know, at least that's the way it appears to me and a lot of other people. So um, and, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm on board with you, man. I'm I'm believe me, you and I we're 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 eye to eye on that one. This is one of the reasons why I I really appreciate you know the people you know the technology first, but most importantly the people that are involved in the blockchain community right now, specifically Hive. Um, and so you know, yeah, I mean we, we have a lot of work to do, and it's going to be a long time before. You know, the, there's dramatic change that is is really needed to happen now. But we're we're you know the the the, the oh, winds of change are happening. Pushing the ball forward, you know. Yes. That's all we can do. Yep, most definitely. So, all right, uh, I'm going to be respectful of your time. Um, last last uh, last word. I mean, uh, what would you like to say that maybe we didn't cover, or um, you know, last final pitch for folks to get on the high blockchain and you use Dbuzz. Um, just make an account. If you have any questions, um, just reach out to us. It's pretty easy to get a hold of someone that can help you out. Um, and buy Monero, not financial advice, but <laughs> I like it. I think it's great. And uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. Awesome. 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 Uh, I'm going to scroll my link tree one last time on the bottom of the screen. Everyone definitely kind of uh, I go out there and wherever you do prefer to uh, get your content from, check out the other uh, uh, the other uh, channels that I'm putting this content out on 
the uh, on Web 2.0 as well as Web 3.0 and the blockchain. So definitely link up with me. Um, Nathan, I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Definitely uh, stick around in the uh, you know green room after uh, I pull the plug here on the live. And I'm just going to remind everyone, I am back on tomorrow night. We're going to be talking about whether or not uh, centralized public education is still even viable anymore. Uh, and then Thursday, we have a special one. It's, it's marked currently as de uh, to be continued uh, or to be determined. But uh, we're going to be talking about community building with a specific example of something we're working on here in New Jersey and I think is actually going to craft kind of my, con my content going forward from here on out. So definitely hit that up on Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern on any of these channels. Nathan, thank you very much. Yeah. Everyone else, have a good evening. There are so many reasons to decentralize, whether it's lack of control over your own data, platforms where you are the product and get paid little to no money, or censorship and government oversight into your personal communications. That's why I'm taking a journey to decentralize my social media as well as my life. Make sure to subscribe, hit the notification bell, and check out the Decentralize Everything playlist on this channel. Whether you're curious or looking to decentralize too, I would love your company as I make a move to break free, take control, and decentralize everything.